0: Welcome to Parkview. We're glad to have you here. I uh, I just got to say something because uh, at the nine o'clock service, there's this kid brought his guitar. This like three year old kid brought his guitar to worship, and he was just rocking out right back there. I mean, and we were all I mean we we're all watching. We were loving it. And I I just got up and I commented about how when I was growing up, you know, and I want you know I was a kid and I was rocking out. I was rocking out with, you know, the model people being. Guys who had their faces painted, wearing spandex with tongue extensions, singing, I want to rock and roll all night. And this kid has, you know, this rock thing, this rock image of our God is a God who saves. And he's learning that, you know, this, this music thing is all right. I can praise God with this music thing. And, and I wanted to say this. I want to say this now because this band is going to absolutely kill a Switchfoot song at the end of this service. It will blow you away. They sound better than Switchfoot. But, but here's what I wanted to say about it. There was not a paid person up here on staff on the stage not a staff person at all i wouldn't even hire most of them there's they're not they're they're all just volunteers uh, who gave up their on uh, Tuesday night and their entire weekend to come and to to lead this for you. I mean, sometimes there's some paid people that are up here on stage, but but it's all volunteers. And I was just thinking about it cuz as I was driving home last night, um in my nice warm car, waving at the poor parking lot people and the traffic people who were out there freezing their butts of the Bible off out there. I was just, I'm just really appreciative cuz this place runs on on volunteer energy and I want to say thank you to that. That's awesome. Thank you for all of you that you do that and people running cameras and the tech, everything. It's phenomenal what goes on around here. Um, And and so welcome. You are welcome for my correct prophecy for the Super Bowl last weekend. I hope that you won a lot of money and everything went well for you. Uh, Great game, great ads. I always love the E-Trade baby, don't you? I mean, you can't go wrong. Bobby, what are you doing in there? I'm speed dating. I mean, that was hilarious, okay? But I think the best commercial of the, the, this is my opinion. I'm a commercial connoisseur. The best commercial was the Audi commercial with the headlights that are so bright, they're like sunlight and it melted the vampires. I'm going to go buy an Audi so there will not be any more Twilight movies ever again. (laughs) Should we just all go? Is there an Audi dealer in here? If you notice the party like atmosphere on the way in, it's because we're celebrating the birth of our new service. We're calling it our baby over at Lockport. They had over 300 people at the very first Lockport Saturday night service last night. And... And I just got a text from Brian with a picture from the 11 o'clock service. And it doesn't look like, you know, everybody moved over. It looks like there's just a whole big pile of new people at our Lockport campus that came and filled up Saturday night. And uh, that's what we prayed for. So phenomenal. Uh, Let me explain that. So that's why the cookies are out there. And there's a bungee jump off the roof over there, the Ferris wheel in the parking lot. If you didn't see it, we're having this party because, you know, it's awesome. It's fun. And and we're celebrating over here with them over there. And we're excited about it. Cannonball was what we did in the fall was a time when we got together and we decided we're going to make a big cannonball. We're going to jump in and make a splash and let the waves go way out into the entire world. And we decided that we were going to uh, up our giving and our generosity around here. And we did. We've committed to almost double our giving over the next two years. And because of that. We were able to do this lockport service and and already people have been reached for the gospel and a whole lot of other things are going on. So I wanted to explain that because I know some of you are new. Some of you, you know, when we talk about cannonball, you're not sure what we're talking about. Um, Several years ago, we took a challenge from a spiritual writer named Dallas Willard, who's one of our favorites, who said he has yet to see a church that takes seriously the Great Commission. Uh, And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Nobody takes the Great Commission any more seriously than Parkview. Here's the Great Commission, in case you don't know it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, think about that. You've heard that. You've heard me, write. You've heard me preach from that scripture before, right? You've heard that before. He is with us. That was Christmas Eve. God is with us. Emmanuel. Go into all the world. That was cannonball. Uh, That's what we do. We're going into all the world. Baptize. We baptize over 2,000 people in the last three years. We baptized people last service. We may have some this service. We're going to Palm Sunday do another big mass baptism. We love that. We think that's important. Make disciples, we have 300 small groups, we have classes, we have a renovation of the heart weekend this weekend uh, for people to come and, and spend a whole weekend in retreat. We have 104 junior high kids at the junior high, I believe, in Peoria right now being made into more disciples, okay? Well, I believe that we've got all that, but the one thing that Dallas Willard was talking about was this little phrase in there that really kind of struck me too. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Well, I mean, we teach from Jesus, right? We do that. I think all churches teach from Jesus, but everything He has commanded you? What Dallas was saying was, I don't see a church that has really put a systematic way together to teach everything that Jesus commanded. And please don't misunderstand. We believe in the whole Bible. That we preach the Old Testament. We, you know, I mean, we love Paul. We love the writings of Peter and John. But if we're disciples of Jesus, the red letters in your Bible ought to be the ones that are the most important, right? I mean, we're disciples of Jesus. So we decided that we would take that seriously and try to figure out how to teach everything he has commanded. So you heard a lot from Jesus in the last series on losing your religion. Sometimes we teach from the stories he tells. Sometimes we teach from the things that happens in his life. And sometimes we teach from his teachings like we're going to do today. As a matter of fact, could I just say this right now? Okay. If you wouldn't mind passing on this message to your friends who say, Well, I can't believe you go to Parkview because just, they just water down the gospel. Or it's christianity light. If you ever heard that, anybody heard that from anybody? If you hear that, would you just go back to those people and say, look, when's the last time your pastor preached from, if you want to be my disciple, you have to hate your father and mother, take up your cross and follow me? Because that was my text last weekend, okay? When's the last time your preacher preached from all, the Sermon on the Mount, all the butts of the Bible, all the hard things that Jesus had to say? Ask them that. You know, I'm sorry that, that we have fun here, okay? I'm sorry that we like rock music every once in a while and we enjoy the Word of God, okay? I'm sorry about that, but that's just what happened. Happened, okay, we still believe in the whole Bible and we preach the whole gospel. I'm going to stop here because I'm starting to get angry and, and I'm preaching about anger. So if I go off on somebody, it's not a very good sermon illustration. Okay, so... Okay, one more thing. Just one more thing. The church started 2,000 years ago with 3,000 people on the very first day. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So if you don't like a large church, I guess you wouldn't have liked the first one. And that doesn't make any sense to me either. Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> butts of the Bible. The butts of the Bible are really, they're really the butts of Jesus, but that didn't sound very good. So we're going with butts of the Bible. Okay, uh, we're gonna talk about this. I've had several emails and phone calls. They're like, you know, what are you gonna talk about? Butts of the Bible. Is that like all the nasty, wicked people in the Bible? You know, like Jezebel and Judas? No, no. Is it a weight loss program? No, no. It's, it's, it's it's one T. Okay, just one T. Butts of the Bible. But think of this word. This word changes everything. It is it is the it is the transitional word that changes everything. I was going this way, but now I'm going this way. I had this thing, but now I have this thing. OK, this is nobody used. But in a bigger way than Jesus. Matter of fact, the whole last series—if you—if you really understand losing your religion, Jesus was like, "Okay, you heard religion was about following the rules, but I tell you, it's about having a relationship. It's about commitment, but changes everything." So I'm in the Sermon on the Mount. If you got your Bibles, it's Matthew five. Jesus most famous sermon and let me give you a little bit of background here. Okay, it's his most famous sermon And as he jumps into his most famous sermon, he gives us one little but that I want to point out right up front Okay, jesus says this do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them I'm going to fulfill them. Okay, this is the first but the first but is hey, i'm a jew Remember, Jesus was a Jew. Jesus said, I'm a Jew. My father started Judaism. My dad wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger and gave them to Moses. I am not telling you that the law is bad. I'm telling you that you can't possibly follow the law good enough. And I'm here to rescue you from the times when you break God's law. I'm going to fulfill them. And I'm also going to to teach you what they really mean, what their deeper meaning is. And that's a lot of what this next five weeks are going to be about. If you were here last week, I said, you know, there's only one rule at Parkview. It's only the one rule from Jesus. Love. That's That's our only rule. Love. Jesus said that that rule has two parts. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Love. With an L. You love God. You love each other. That's all we have to do. But that takes it to a whole deeper level than we've ever remembered before, hasn't it? I mean, that's a whole different place because because then all those rules that we think we're following, okay, uh, maybe we're not. So we get it gets into the into the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts pre- preaching, and he says, uh, "Here's the Beatitudes. I'll, I'll tell you, you think you're blessed over here if you're comforted, but I'm going to tell you, you're blessed if you mourn. You're blessed if you're merciful." You're blessed if you're poor in spirit. See, he starts turning religion upside down right off the bat. And then he goes into some deeper explanations of some of the laws that he came to fulfill. Because he didn't come to abolish them, he came to fulfill them. And so people are like, okay, well, if that's not how we follow the law, what is the meaning of the law? What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love my neighbor? And so Jesus brilliantly goes, well, let me just pick a couple of the commandments and help you to understand them a little more clearly. And this is the background of the butts of the Bible, okay? Logically, He goes to the easiest to measure commandment that there is. It couldn't be adultery because, you know, President Clinton would come along someday and say, well, you know, I, I don't... What's the definition, you know? I mean, we could all have a different definition of adultery at some point, right? It wasn't lying because we could be like, well, he's a good, you know, it a white lie. It was, he just took the easiest one and the, probably the harshest one. And you would think, well, you know, it's no other gods before me. And from God's standpoint, yes. But nobody's on death row for worshiping Gozer, the Samaritan god of destruction, okay? That was a Ghostbusters reference for you old people, Okay. No, nobody, nobody's in death row for that. What are they in death row for? You have heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder. I mean, this is pretty simple. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now, I I don't want to get into a big debate on just war or the death penalty or any of that other stuff. But the word is murder, okay? You need to understand the word murder. In the Ten Commandments, the word was murder. I know I I memorized it in King James, and it's thou shalt not kill, but the word really is murder. There was a chance, you know, that you could kill in self-defense in the Bible. That was allowed. Uh, If you accidentally killed somebody, there was a city of refuge. Uh, There was just war. There was death penalty. All those things in the Old Testament. The word murder is completely different. That's the commandment. Murder is when a person takes it upon himself to be the judge and the jury and the executioner. That's important. Because I think Jesus started here because everybody, he's probably assuming, and he's probably right, that everybody listening to him is going, okay, cool, murder, check. I have not done that. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. um, but, But, you know... Murder? Check. I've got that. And so, and remember these are the religious people, so they're going, I have not committed murder. I'm good enough to go to heaven. Look at me. Aren't I great? To which Jesus drops, but number one. But, I tell you, that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. What? What? Come on, Jesus, that's a dumb butt. You can't do that. That's ridiculous. Of course I'm going to be angry. I have a right to be angry. Some people are jerks. Some people are morons. Don't you know this, Jesus? How could you possibly come up with this? I have a right to be angry. At which point they were realizing that they were already breaking the thing that he said that they weren't supposed to do. Why would Jesus say this? Well, for one... Just for one more light moment. For one, we know what happens when we let anger go unchecked. It can always lead to something a little bit deeper. But what Jesus is saying is there's a deeper problem going on. Sad, stupid illustration, on the other hand, uh, this weekend, this past weekend from Naperville. This guy gets stabbed in a bar. A couple of guys... Being guys and testosterone got out of control and a second grade teacher is stabbed to death in a bar because somebody got angry. We know this. The whole crowd listening to Jesus felt that day like, you know what, I'm not committed murder, sir. So I'm okay. What Jesus is saying throughout all of these butts is, before sin is birthed in our action, it is conceived in our heart. Because everything's always about the heart. Before it's birthed in our action, it's always conceived in our heart. And I believe that all the crowd was like, yeah, I got murder. I haven't done that. I'm good. I'm good enough. And then all of a sudden, Jesus flipped it upside down with his first butt. They went quiet again. Just like they did last week when Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And they went, oh, and started dropping their rocks. Why? Because God didn't change, Jesus didn't change the commandment. He came to talk about what the whole commandment was about in the first place. Why is murder wrong? Because every person has worth as a human being who was designed in God's image. So it doesn't really matter whether you actually kill them. If you hate them in your heart, Jesus is saying, if you physically murder them, yeah, you're under judgment. But if you're angry, your heart is the same. And that person still has worth as a human being, imago Dei, made in the image of God. And there will be consequences for that anger one way or another. Let's go on. It gets even harder. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in dangers of the fire of hell. Who's glad they came to church today? Raka, let me explain that. Raka, me, it was just, it was like like a, you're stupid, you're, you're ignorant, you're, you know, you're, you're whatever. It it was, it was a, it was a slanderous term, and in that day, because religion ruled everything, you could actually be brought before the Sanhedrin and have to pay a fine if you use that term against someone. It was basically libel, okay? Jesus says, but anyone who says you fool, Which is moros, where we get the word moron. It would be best translated today as you, expletive jerk, okay? Figure out, fill in that expletive however you want. It would be something that strong. It would be like, I hate you. You're such a jerk. You're such an idiot. You're a moron. And and that hatred that comes, he said, he said, if you say that with your heart, it doesn't really mean, it doesn't even matter whether you say it. If you say that with your mouth and it's in your heart, it doesn't matter whether you kill them or not. It reveals that your soul is in fi- dangers of the fire of hell. What does that mean? Tim, I thought I was saved by Jesus' death on the cross. Now, are you telling me that if I have a fight with somebody or if I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart that God's going to send me to hell? Well, I'm telling you that He could and He should because it's just as much as sin as actually doing it. Because sin is conceived in here before it's ever given birth out there sin is about what's going on in here i think he's saying this if you think you're good enough because you haven't whacked somebody you're wrong because if you've hated them inside of here it's still a sin okay what i mean judgment well the bible is very clear please don't misunderstand this the bible is very clear can't take this passage by itself the bible is very clear That you are not subject to judgment. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It couldn't be any clearer about that. That if you have Christ Jesus in your life, you're not under judgment for absolutely anything. You won't burn in hell for swearing at someone or being angry for them. You won't go to hell for murdering them. You know why I know that? Because I know that I'm going to be in heaven with David. The man after God's own heart that wrote most of the Psalms. I know I'm going to be there with him. And he committed murder. It's not It's not about eternal judgment. I, I do not believe. Let's camp out on the fires of hell for just a minute. Who wants to camp at the fires of hell? This will be fun. Get some marshmallows. What is he talking about? When Jesus said this phrase, the fires of hell, he used this phrase that everybody in his audience would have understood as Gehenna. He used the word Gehenna. It would have been the word, this valley of Gehenna, the valley of Hinnom. This is the, this is the, the illustration that Jesus used... Over and over again for hell. Because people don't understand hell. They don't understand eternal separation from God. So Jesus used something that they would all recognize. And they would all know. The valley of Gehenna. Gehenna was the trash dump. Jesus talked about hell being a place where the fire does not go out. This was a trash dump where there was always a fire. This is where they threw corpses when people didn't have enough money to bury their their friends or their loved ones. They would just throw the corpses in there. It was horrible. This was a place where sometimes if a person was being punished for a crime, they would throw them in in the valley before they were even dead. This is a place where people sacrificed Child child sacrifices to foreign gods in earlier days in this area right here. And it's where all the trash went. And it was the most horrible, nasty place that Jesus could possibly describe. Everybody knew this correlation. Okay? So I think what Jesus is saying here, this frame of reference is what they're listening to. I believe what Jesus was saying here is both of two things. Number one, if you think you're okay just because you didn't pull the trigger... You're wrong. You're not okay. You're under the same judgment. You're under the same penalty. The wages of sin is death. And that was a sin. Only I can make you good enough. The free gift of heaven is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm thankful for amazing grace because it saves whether I killed the person or I just hated them. Either way, it's the same because it's all about what's going on in here. And the second thing... The second thing is that hell can be temporal. Hell can be eternal and I believe that it is and hell can be temporal. It can be here on this earth, okay? Stay with me. I'm not buying Love Wins by Rob Bell. I'm not buying that. I believe that there is an eternal place of separation from God for the devil and the people who choose to follow him. I do believe that. But I believe that I know that people that even have God in their life, people who have given their life to Jesus, people who have been baptized, people who take communion every week, people who give, people who serve, people who are in a small group, people who do all the things that we think a Christian ought to do. I know plenty of people that do all of those things and they're saved as they could possibly be and they know that they're going to heaven someday and they're still living in hell. And you know some of those people too and it might even be you. God hasn't locked you up in your past. God hasn't put you in the valley of Gehenna. You have. Let me tell you something. It would have been enough for Jesus to come and die on the cross for my sins so that I can go to heaven someday and be forgiven. It would have been enough for that. But Jesus over and over and over again, said, the kingdom of heaven is now. Now the kingdom of heaven is here. Eternal life begins now. I have come to bring you life and bring it more abundantly. So you have a choice. You can, you can, you can be saved for eternity from the, stuff that from the hell that you're living in, or you could be saved from this very moment from the hell that you're living in. So my question for you, it's butts of the Bible. Do you have some junk in your trunk? That's what I want to know. Is there some stuff that you're harboring, some, some, some trash heap in some little corner of your heart because of what my friend did to me or what my husband did or what my wife did or what they didn't do or what my parents did or what they didn't do or that guy that abused me or that woman that broke up my family or that person that took something from me. Is there a little piece of hell in your heart right now, whether you're saved or not? Whether you have Jesus in your life or not, there still could be a little hell in your heart. And Jesus knew that living a life that's not connected to God and living a full life was not just about not murdering people. You, can, you don't have to murder them to have hell in your heart, to be forever locked up with this burning trash heap. Wouldn't a fiery pit describe to some of us how our lives feel sometimes? One doctor suggested for every burst of anger and temper that you have, you will lose a week of life expectancy. That means I'm 95 years old in anger years. I don't know about you. You say, well, PT, I'm I'm, I'm stuck. I'm in a hole. All around me I have reminders of this thing that this person did to me, and I have a right to hate them. And I know the next thing you're going to tell me is I need to forgive them, but you don't know what happened to me. And you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to be honest with you. I do know what happened to some of you, and I can't believe it. I can't believe how unjust life is to some people sometimes. I can't believe what that person did to you. And if I knew everybody's stories, I would be blown away. And the truth of the matter is I would probably be more angry than you are because it's not right. You have every right to... Be angry and to feel angry. And if you want to do that, that's fine. Don't murder anybody because I don't want you to get arrested. But if you have a justified reason to hate somebody in your heart, you have junk in your trunk and you want to leave it there, you have the right to do that. I, 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 I wish you a great weekend and thank you for coming. But Jesus says there are consequences to living that way. Living bitter and angry. It's a, it's a horrible way to live. And it's not just here on this level either. You know what? It causes a problem between us and God. Not because of God, but because of us. Don't you feel farther away from God when you're angry at one of His kids? When you've got this thing going on here, he seems farther away. He's not farther away. He's not revoking your forgiveness. Paul says, even when we are faithless, he is faithful. He is in the same place. But when I'm mad at his kids, I'm getting farther and farther away. Does God feel sometimes millions of miles away? That's because you've gone to that little hell place in your heart. And that anger and that bitterness has put you in this hell place in your heart. So what should I do? Well, that's the beautiful thing about this Sermon on the Mount. Is beautiful thing about these words of Jesus is that, you know, this isn't some theoretical thing. You know, well, don't don't murder. You know, don't hate anger is the same as as murdering. Have a nice day. He goes on. Therefore, if you are offering your gift, very specific, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar And first go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I mean, this, this was important to them. The, the offering was important to them. What Jesus is saying here is, hey, thanks when you come in to this place for worship. Thank you when you come in and you love me and you, and you want to sing songs. And, and, and thank you for writing your checks that help do ministry and, and give money to the poor and feed the poor. And thank you for singing and thank you for praying and thank you for doing all the things that you do. But before you sing that, before you give that, before you take that communion, maybe you ought to get your butt out of here. And go find that person that need, you need to be reconciled to. Because it's getting in the way. You're living in hell and I don't want you there. What is be reconciled? It's, it's making peace. Okay? It's not about, well, I'm just going to bury it and make it all go away. And, you know, hopefully I won't get mad again. Because what, what happens when we do that? At some unknown place, all of a sudden, something rises up out of us and we become a volcano. And all of a sudden, we're angry and we didn't even realize it because we suppressed it. We didn't deal with it. Making peace, reconciliation, is about going to the person and reconciling the situation, making sure they know what they did to you, making sure that you understand what they think you did to them, and doing your best to make peace with them. Now, you'll say, well, what if they don't want to make peace with me, Tim? Some people are jerks. And you know what? That's the truth. Some people are jerks and they don't want to have anything to do with you. Or maybe that person is dead and gone. Paul says, as far as it is possible with you, make peace with everyone. However it depends on you, make peace with everyone. If there's nothing you can do about it, then you're just going to have to reconcile this in your heart. You're just going to have to figure out how to do this. But I just want you to see the importance of this. First of all, Jesus says, first, first, this is the first thing that we're supposed to do. Okay, don't try to get over it. Don't try to convince yourself that it'll go away. Deal with it first. It's the first priority. In that day, the most important part of the worship service was when they would come forward and actually lay their gifts on the altar. God had the sacrificial system all laid out in the Old Testament. And that was what they did and actually came forward and laid their gift off the altar. Okay, so for you, I don't know what that is. Maybe it is offering. Maybe it's communion. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's just showing up to worship. Maybe it's your small group. Maybe it's your personal Bible study. I don't know what the most important part of your spiritual life is, but here's what I know. Jesus said, first, before you do any of that, maybe you need to get up before we even serve communion and walk out of here and go be reconciled because dealing with your anger is more important than whatever you thought was number one. Whatever was number one is now number two on your list first deal with this and then he says what he says go to your brother could I could I could I just say this okay not go talk to your mom not facebook your sister not bring it up to your small group as a prayer request not go blog about it, okay? I, I'm, I understand sometimes you, the situation is severe and, and you need some help to move forward, but you need to go to the person. Christian, can I just tell you this for a second? If somebody comes to you and they start bad-mouthing and gossiping about somebody else and what somebody else did, here's what I would love for everybody to do at this moment. Just say, hey, hang on, just put your hand up and say, hang on a second. Have you talked to this person about it? If they say, yeah, and I can't get it resolved, then, then you can listen and you can help. If they say no, then you say, you know what? I believe what Jesus said was, first, go be reconciled to your brother. First, you go to them and talk this thing through. Can you imagine what the church would look like? Could you imagine what Christianity would look like if people actually started following everything Jesus commanded us? I mean, I'm going to tell you something, I'm out there in the world and the world loves Jesus and they love God and they love the whole idea of going to heaven someday. You know what gets in their way? Christians. Church splits and Christians backbiting each other and not talking to each other and being hateful to each other. And they're like, well, if that's what I get from the teachings of Jesus, then something's wrong and they don't follow Jesus because they can't get past the fact that we don't Do a very good job of everything He commanded us. Now some of you are going to say, I've tried, man. I've tried, I just can't do it. Listen, the point of grace is grace. It's grace for everything. It it, it doesn't matter what you do. There's always grace. When you come back to the throne, Jesus says, I'm going to forgive you. And I understand if if you just want to live in that Gehenna, if that's where you want to be, that's okay. Okay. First of all, first and foremost, there is nothing, nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ, not height nor depth, nothing, nothing at all. Not even your own unforgiveness. But I want to tell you three things. First of all, God is not going to tell you to do something that he won't give you the strength to do. He's never going to. He knows who you are. He knows who I am. He knows that we're human beings and there's no way we could possibly do this on our own. The Bible says no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will give you the strength. Secondly, this is why we have each other. This is why Jesus started this thing called the church so that we could be together. You need to be in a small group where you've got people around to pray for you. If you've got to go confront uh, your, your your alcoholic mom like the video clip i'm getting ready to show you if you've got something going on in your life and you need to go confront this in this situation you need people around to pray with you and to be with you maybe you need celebrate recovery if you're an addict or if you're married or or related to an addict we've got celebrate recovery we've got divorce care we've got all these different programs for you to try to help you and third this is why god gave some people the gift of counseling I go to counseling all the time. My wife and I have been to counseling multiple times. We go all the time. We think it's important. Listen to me. If you had heart blockage, if, you're, if you had heart blo- artery blockage in here, you would go to a surgeon, you would pay a lot of money, and you would get it fixed. One way or the other. If you have spiritual heart blockage, there are people that can help you with that. Don't just think it's going to go away. There are people that can help you with this. Go see them. Go talk to them. Here's the the bottom line for me. Jesus said, you have heard it said that as long as you follow the rules and act religious and don't murder anybody, that's all God wants from you. But really, it's about what God wants for you. See how different that is? Religion is about what God wants from you. Relationship is about what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to live in hell. He already sent Jesus to die for your sins, but you are the one that's making the choice to live in the valley of Gehenna. And before sin is birthed in our actions, it is conceived in our hearts. And if it's living inside of there and the fire is burning inside of our hearts, God wants us to be free from the dump of hatred and bitterness. He wants us to see others the way that He sees them, as valuable human beings no matter what they did. He wants you to forgive others, not because they deserve it, but because you're tired of giving them control over the valley of Gehenna that's going on in your heart. That's why we do it. So I'm going to close with a, a clip from Pay It Forward where Helen Hunt gets to finally meet her mom who is a homeless alcoholic and was a horrible mom. And it's just a beautiful scene of how to go about doing this. And the, and the other person they're talking about, in case you don't remember the movie, is Helen's son, the woman's grandson. And, and there's, a great, there's a great scene of how to handle it even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't trust the person, how to forgive. And then we close with a switchfoot song about the war inside. That's what's going on. It's me. It's the war inside. It's not about the outside. It's about the war that's going on inside. It feels like I'm cracking my spine. If that feels like that to you, could I just get you to do one thing today? Get your butt out of here. Go get your person that you are upset at and make peace with them. And if you can't do that, maybe right now maybe it starts right now communion time and you just say god i i'm sorry for my attitude towards this person they were they're a jerk they, they deserve punishment they did a horrible thing to me but i can't live in gehenna anymore i want abundant life to start now i want eternal life to start now i want the kingdom of heaven to start now in my life when leonardo da Vinci was painting the last supper scene he uh He got right to the point. He saved the face of Jesus for last because he wanted that to be the last thing that he did. And he was getting to this point where he was really frustrated with a lot of stuff. And and somebody did something to him and he lashed out at him publicly. Somebody made him mad. Somebody ticked him off. And he lashed out publicly at him and even threatened him publicly. And, And then he went back and he tried to draw the face of Jesus on one of the most famous paintings of all history. And he couldn't do it. He just found that he could not physically draw the face of Jesus until he went back to the man and apologized and publicly apologized and made peace with the man. It was only then that he could come back and draw the face of Jesus. Jesus hadn't gone anywhere. God hadn't gone anywhere. It was what the war inside was doing to him. As we have communion right now, this is an opportunity for you to quench the fires of hell in multiple different ways. If you don't know, if you have Jesus... As your Lord and Savior, please let me assure you, you need Him. You're a sinner. I know this because I am. And I know this because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you need Him. Ask Him to come in during communion right now. For the rest of us, if you've already done that and Jesus is living in there, give Him a broom. Let him clean the place up. Let's pray. Lord God, I just pray that you'd be with us as we uh, spend a moment here remembering what you did for us when you gave your Son that whoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we realize that just because we didn't pull the trigger doesn't mean we're not guilty of this sin. I, and I pray for those people in here who need to open their hearts to you and say, God, I, I'm a sinner. I need you. I need you to forgive me I need Jesus. Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. I accept your free gift of grace. Amazing grace. It does sound sweet. I take it. I want it. I can't work my way to heaven just because I can check off a box that I didn't physically kill somebody. I need you. I will take up my cross and follow you. For the rest of us, Lord, we give you brooms, we give you mops. We give you permission to work around inside of our hearts and find the little fires that are burning over in little corners that people have put there. Honestly, they've done things to us, but we let the fire continue to burn. And if there are people that need to walk out of this place today, maybe right now, maybe after the service and go to someone and say, hey, I. I'm sorry I did this to you, or hey, you hurt me, and I need you to know that, and I forgive you. Help us to make peace. Help us to find a way to reconcile. Lord, the war inside does not need to continue to happen. If we give the whole heart over to you. Be with us as we do this now. And Jesus, as we remember this gift of communion, we remember that you forgave us even when we weren't worthy. So forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In Jesus' name we pray.